What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, and welcome to Dr. J's Path to Success podcast. Dr. James Fetish is a successful practice owner, best-selling author, and speaker. Listen in as he shares his secrets to a successful business and a successful life. So now, here's Dr. J. Okay, everybody, welcome to this episode of the podcast. We have a very, very special guest this episode. We have Mr. Chris Widener with us today. So if you don't know about Chris, I'd be pretty surprised, but he's worked with some of the most influential and famous people in the industry, written bestseller books, and he's just a quite an amazing guy, professional speaker, best-selling author, and has worked with Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Larry Wingett, he's just worked with some of the biggest stars in the success field. So I want to thank Chris for joining us, and uh, how are we doing there in lovely Arizona, Chris? It is lovely, as you mentioned. It's uh, going to be 90 degrees today, and and uh, you know I spent my first 50 years of my life in Seattle, and still to this day, I I'll call my son up or some of my friends up in Seattle, and I'll say, "Hey, is it raining up there?" And when they say yes, it just makes me feel really great. <laughs> yeah, you escaped the bad weather in New Jersey and Seattle, and you're up there in sunny Arizona. You're a smart guy. It's still winter here in yeah, April yeah. in New Jersey this year. Crazy year. All right, so Chris has been involved in a lot of interesting projects. Um, like I said, uh, one of the most impressive things that uh, I think Chris did, he's basically known as uh, Jim Rohn's last mentee, kind of was uh, tutored under Jim Rohn. And if you don't know who Jim Rohn is, you really should. He's written the best books, and uh, he's one person that probably changed my life more than anybody without ever meeting him. So if you haven't read his books, you should read all of his books. I mean, he's the one who gave Tony Robbins his start and dozens of other people. He's pretty much the father of the modern personal development and success stuff. But Tell us a little bit about working with Jim. He's really, uh, you know, it's an amazing story. Yeah, Jim is a, a fascinating guy, and, and you're right. Um, a lot of people haven't heard of him, but he's so influential. In fact, um, oh, probably 15 years ago or so uh, at the National Speakers Association, Mark Sanborn was the president. Mark is a, a great speaker and, and writer himself. And the president of the National Speakers Association every year has at his or her discretion the ability to give what's called the Master of Influence Award. And it's basically an honorary award that's given um, to, to people who have had you know, great influence in the industry. And that year they decided to give it to Jim. And I'll never forget it because we're sitting there in this huge auditorium, probably two to 3,000 speakers in the room. And Mark asked a question. He said, how many of you would say that Jim Rohn has significantly impacted your life, your work, and your message. And probably two-thirds of the hands went up. And what it really made me realize was not only does Jim, you know, was Jim at the time he's passed away since then, um, you know, making a difference in the lives of the people that he spoke to and the books, the people that read his books, but people who had never heard of him before, uh, they were hearing 
people who had been inspired by Jim. And you take those, say, 2,000 people that said that they had been significantly impacted, and how many people were those 2,000 people impacting every year through their speeches and their books? And, and so Jim was a, a, just a truly impactful guy, and, and I had the, the great fortune of, uh, of working with him from uh, September 2002 when I started writing the Jim Rohn one-year success plan with him, which was a program we developed, uh, a one-year personal development program, until uh, he passed away. And uh, just an extraordinary guy. The year before he passed away, he was, uh, I believe, 77 years old. He spoke in 28 countries the last year he was alive in his late 70s. And having been in this business for 30 years myself and given over 2,500 speeches, I have never spoken in 28 countries, period, combined. <laughs> and Jim, wow. Jim did 28 countries the last year of his life. So uh, just a, an amazing guy, very influential. And as you mentioned, um, gave Tony Robbins his first job. Tony, uh, when he was 17 years old, went to work for Jim selling Jim Rohn seminars. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a shame not everybody knows he's a father. And I think his books, I mean, are just the best stuff out there. I still read them and reread them and, I still find there's old old videos on YouTube of him giving talks that are just some of the best stuff out there. What kind of guy was he like personally? Like you know, we all know the kind of stage stage guy and the book guy, but what was he kind of behind the scenes? Nice guy to work with. Or tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, he was he was a great guy, and you know the the funny thing is I worked closely with both him and Zig Ziglar, and both of them were exactly the same person off the stage as they were on the stage. Um, you know, Jim was a quiet more of an introverted kind of, I always use the word professorial to describe Jim. Um, taking a class from Jim or, or a seminar from Jim was like, um, was like that best college professor you had, the one that you just really loved, right? Who was, was just so thought provoking. And, and that was Jim. Jim was a philosopher. His tagline was that he was America's foremost business philosopher. Um, he, he, he had practical things uh, that he talked about, but he really emphasized the philosophy that drove the rest of your, of your business. And of course, it's your philosophy that drives your actions. And, um, but he was a quiet guy, a simple guy. The first time I ever met him, I'll never forget it. It was June 9th, 2003. And uh, we went to Houston. He was speaking at the Houston Astrodome doing a, a big seminar there. Kyle Wilson, the president of Jim Rohn International, and I went down there, uh, sat through the day-long seminar that Jim gave, and then we went back to this little hotel across the street from the Astrodome, and they had a bar, and it was one of those bars where you can throw, they give you peanuts uh, in big <laughs> bowls, and then you, like, throw your peanuts on the floor, nice. you know, one of those kind of honky-tonk kind of places, <laughs> and so the first time I ever met Jim, uh, we sat in a bar. We ate peanuts, we drank beer, and we talked about the Bible. And, uh, you know, that was just, uh, that was Jim, simple guy, the son of a minister. His dad was a minister until he died at 93. And, and uh, that's why you, you'll hear a lot of biblical stories that Jim would tell. But, but he was just a quiet, simple, kind uh, man, didn't. You know, being in the in the in the personal development world, being an author and a speaker, there's a lot of self promotion. But um, Jim was just not a real self promoting kind of guy. He was uncomfortable with that kind of, you know, promotion kind of stuff. I begged him for years to write his uh, his biography, um, and he just 
he had he didn't have any desire to write a book about his life or or anything like that but um no he was a he was a good guy and certainly very good to me and and opened up a, a ton of doors me yeah great great man i i got a bunch of staff mostly under 30 year olds and uh, I, wa- I watched Jim Rohn videos at staff meetings and our retreats and stuff. So like all my staff under 30 all know who he is. You know, a lot of people at age don't know Jim, but I've, I've got them all hooked on his message. Uh, the next thing is talking yeah. about Zig Ziglar. I want, want to talk about that a little bit next. It's funny in my car just yesterday I found I have a desk drawer with CDs in it. You're in there actually right in my CD collection. I still got CDs of all these speakers and I dug out a Zig Ziglar the Born to Run seminar. I just had the two disc set and I just finished it yesterday. I haven't listened to Zig in a little while. But still great stuff. So I know you worked with Mr. Ziegler as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, Zig and I started working because I owned a company called Made for Success, and I sold audio programs for Costco and Sam's Club. So, of course, Zig was one of the guys that I licensed his audio programs, and then we repackaged them around themes. Um, we had our three bestsellers were Leadership uh, Success, Sales Success, and Verbal Power. And Zig was in all three of those. And so I wrote big, big checks on a quarterly basis. And then I had a television show in Dallas uh, down near where Zig lived. And the network I was on wanted to do a show with Zig. And Zig was uh, getting to the point where he, he was at the beginning of that onset of dementia, which he eventually had full-blown dementia. Um, and, uh, and so he didn't want to do the show by himself. And so his son, Tom, who I'd become friends with, said, well, you know, Dad, uh, Chris is already down here. We know him, we like him, we trust him. Um, he already has his own show. What if he were to co-host it with you? And Zig said, perfect. So I'll never forget the first time I walked into the studio. There was Zig Ziglar, and, and I had never met him yet. And, uh, and I remember walking in. I felt like a priest who'd been called to the Vatican to serve communion with the Pope. You know, <laughs> kind of like... Here I was, this young guy, and I was an up-and-comer, and I'd had some success, but, you know, Zig was the man. I mean, you know, yeah. he, he, and Jim, he and Jim and Og Mandino and Dennis Waitley, those guys, they pioneered the, the whole industry, and, and uh, American Sales Masters was like the precursor to the Peter Lowe stuff, and those guys pioneered that, and so it was just a real privilege, and, and like Jim, he was exactly the same guy that you saw on stage. He was a glad-handing, uh, hand-shaking, back-slapping, smile-laugh-a-minute uh, kind of guy, you know. And and uh, he would have made a great politician because he could shake <laughs> hands and shake hands and kiss babies just like a you know the, with the best of them. And uh, and that's who he was. It wasn't fake or phony or anything. He was just a a happy guy. Um, I always tell people that that Zig was the finest man I ever met. Um, I, I love the legacy that he left with his family. Um, you know, he, he, a great family, uh, a loving family, um, the relationship he had with his, with his wife, the redhead, as he called her, <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that. you know, just a terrific guy, you know, um, and Tom still to this day, his son, president of Ziegler, uh, still a, a, a great friend of mine. And, um, uh, just what a legacy he left and uh, pioneered this whole motivational speaking world. Yeah, those two guys are, are probably two of the best out there. What a privilege and honor you had to work with both of them. And on a side note, I think yeah. they have the two best, two best accents out there. I love both of their speaking accents, just great, great speaking accents. They're just too much for those guys. I love it. Yeah, and they were different. You know, people will say, what is the biggest lesson you learned from working with those guys? And I think that the biggest lesson I learned – 
and I learned a lot of lessons, but I think the biggest lesson I learned was, was to be yourself because they were both so different. Zig was this guy who would move all around the stage and he'd, you know, he'd get really loud and then he'd get really quiet and he'd kneel on the front of the stage and he'd pump his hands and he'd do, you know, the motions of the, you know, he always talked about the well and pumping the well handle. And, and then there was Jim who was quiet and looked down over his reading glasses and barely moved out from behind the podium and, and, uh, or the lectern and, and, you know, very, very different and yet both achieve the highest status you possibly could in that industry. And it really just made me realize that you don't have to be somebody else. You just have to be the best of yourself. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways to be successful. And, yeah, that's a really good lesson there. We don't have to follow the same path and try to be yourself. Yeah, a lot of people try to be other, you know, other characters almost where they're trying to be, you know, somebody that they're not. And that's always a tough way to do things. So that's, that's absolutely some good advice. So tell us about your latest and greatest project. You're working with Larry Wingett, who's also a really cool guy. I'd like to hear a little bit about working with Larry as well. But you guys have a new podcast that's really taken off. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that podcast has gone crazy. Um, I I had talked to Larry a couple times. We've got 100 mutual friends. And then when I moved down here to Scottsdale, I realized I lived about, you know, four miles from him. So he invited me over for his famous uh, Friday night brown liquor and cigars and went over and sat down and, <laughs> and uh, we were drinking some brown liquor and having a cigar and just talking about the, the world and everything in it. We started talking about men and uh, what some people call the wussification of, of the American male. And Larry says to me, we need to write a book about this called How to Be a Real Man. And I said, Larry, before we do that, we need to start a podcast on it. And uh, we started a podcast, and now it's become the fastest-growing podcast for men in the world. Uh, we we actually have uh, – we're in talks right now with um, a couple of different places. There's a, 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 a company here actually based in Arizona, which is kind of interesting, a media company. They get uh, 200 million page views a month uh, on their uh, two websites that they run. And they want to do a video version of the How to Be a Real Man podcast as a streaming show. And then Fox News is starting a, a new thing called Fox Nation, um, uh, where they're going to be doing streaming video content shows. You know, Netflix and all these companies are getting into, you know, Amazon doing their own, their own content, their own television shows, movies, things like that. Um, and becoming sort of their own studios. Well, that's the same thing is happening a lot with even smaller media entities. And uh, so we're, we're very fortunate we're being pursued by a, a couple of real big players in that space to, uh, to do some, uh, some regular television streaming, um, uh, video streaming around this theme of how to be a real man. Um, and it's, it's just interesting because um, it used to be that everybody sort of knew what a real man was. Uh, culture agreed upon what a real man was. Um, you know, you go back 150 years ago and somebody said, describe a real man. Everybody would describe sort of a similar kind of guy, right? Well, now there's a, there's a, a lot of discrepancy and a lot of wondering what does a real man look like? And, and, and it's not a caricature. It's one of the things that Larry and I always say. We are not talking about the caricature of a real man. We're not talking about the Marlboro man, you know, who rides a horse and smokes a Marlboro and, 
you know, gets into a bar fight and beds beautiful women and, you know, that kind of, it's not <laughs> what we're talking about. It has to do with values and, and, um, and that kind of thing. And, and it's taken off. And one of the most interesting things uh, is that we have a ton of women who listen to this podcast. Uh, Larry tells a story. Uh, he was given a speech in Vegas about three weeks ago and signing books afterwards. And people were waiting in line and a woman gets to the front of the line and she has her phone out, her iPhone out. She says, hi, my name is such and such. And I'm, I'm on FaceTime with my husband and my son and we all listened to the How to Be a Real Man podcast together, and they just wanted to say hi to you. And uh, we, we get women all the time who are listening to it, um, you know, to, to understand their husband or their sons, um, you know, to, to, uh, to sort of get inside the male psyche. And, uh, and then, of course, we had one woman who wrote on the Facebook page. She said, you really ought to just call it How to Be Real because um, – you know, what you're talking about, it isn't necessarily specific to men. Some topics are specific to men. We did one on dating and, and, uh, and, and such, but, uh, we cover a lot of different topics. The one we released this week is should spouses ever keep secrets from each other? Uh, we did one on dating, one on sex, one on finances. Uh, we just did one. We haven't released it yet, but we just did one on, uh, on suicide. Uh, the fastest growing, um, fastest growing group of people to kill themselves are affluent white middle-aged males. Uh, you look at the professions that they're made up of, and it's it's doctors, lawyers, uh, architects, accountants, chiropractors, um, and and you would say to yourself, why in the world would these affluent uh, white men who who have quote unquote have it all? Why would they be killing themselves? And actually, interestingly enough, the the least uh, suicides are from black and Latino women. And so, you know, you say to yourself, okay, you, you know, sort of stereotypically, you've got these white men who have all this privilege and they drive fancy cars. And then you've got these lower income uh, black and Latino women and they're not killing themselves, but it's the white men who have it all that are killing themselves. <laughs> Why? And so we delve into that and we ask that question and uh, it's a, it's a fascinating podcast and we're having a lot of fun with it. And of course, those who, who know Larry, he's a good old boy from Oklahoma and, <laughs> and uh, and I'm a former pastor, and so we, we, he and I always jokingly call the podcast uh, Good Cop, Bad Cop. Um, but we have a lot of fun <laughs> with it, and, uh, and, uh, and it's challenging a lot of people, and, and uh, the, the growth of the podcast has been, has been great. So we're having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic. You and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, it's just it really does seem like uh, you know, men don't know their place, and there's this kind of wussification and all the stuff that Larry talks about going on, and yeah, for many years, the number one uh, suicide rate has been dentists in a lot of the studies, like the medical studies I read around. And, yeah, the dentists make more money than most docs these days, and they have a high suicide rate. But it's, yeah. uh, it's definitely a big problem out there you guys are tackling. So it's a good well, do you know, do you know what I think? Do you know what I think it is, James? And I'll, I'll give you sort of a teaser as to, as to what I said on the podcast. I think the reason why is because everybody believes as they grow up that I'll be happy – if I make a bunch of money, get a fancy car, get a beautiful home, and get myself financial security, then I'll be happy. Yeah. And they do, and they do it, and they're not happy, 
and they don't know what else they can do, and they become despondent because they've done everything they were told they were supposed to do, and they kill themselves. And then you have, again, these are gross, stereotypical, broad-sweeping generalities, but you have African-American women, Latina women, lowest on income scales, and I think a lot of them say, you know, they don't grow up thinking they're going to be rich or have a big fancy house in the suburbs or something like that. And so they figure out a way to be happy without it. And they're happy. And they, they build their happiness around family and uh, around their friends and around their churches and their, their hobbies and, and things like that. And they're happy. And they don't struggle with the things that, that the, uh, the people who thought that the affluence was going to create the happiness for them. Yeah, some great points there. And what's the old saying is that happiness is a reality exceeding expectations. So when your expectations are high, and uh, then always get happiness. But yeah, I said to people too. I mean, yeah, it's nice to drive to work in a Porsche or a Mercedes, but you know, life doesn't change all that much driving a nicer car into work. You still got the kids and the business, and you know, things don't change a whole lot. Just driving nicer cars, living in a nicer house, it's still the same life and challenges that we all have to deal with, right? Yeah, and then but what's the old joke? Money can't buy happiness, but it's a lot more fun to cry in a Porsche. <laughs> yep. I gotta get my tires uh, replaced. So I'm gonna be crying with that bill coming in, but that's another story. Yeah, I, <laughs> my last car, my last car was one of those two-seat Jag XKRS, the superchargers, and I think every time I changed the back tires, it was two grand or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they get you on the maintenance on those things. That's great stuff. And uh, finally, tell us, you know, you're really your big thing. People don't know because you're such a pronounced speaker and every and author. But your real big thing is a lot of corporate speaking you do still, right? So tell us a little bit about that, Chris. Yeah, um, I've written 17 books, and um, ironically, it's my fourth best-selling book that I give all my speeches on. Uh, it's called The Art of Influence. It's uh, sort of a modern-day how to win friends and influence people. It's, um, it's about how to influence other people, and it's not necessarily techniques per se, um, but it's about your character. It's about who you are as a person and whether or not people are attracted to you or not. And so it's about integrity and optimism. It's about your own personal standards of excellence. It's about having a servant attitude towards other people. And, and it's really about how to create uh, trust, respect, admiration, and loyalty from, from the people who follow you, the, the, the employees you have or the customers you have, the clients, uh, um, the potential uh, clients or in, in your world and others, the patients uh, that you see, and do they trust you? Do they admire you? Do they respect you? And will they become loyal to you? Um, and that's what the book is about. And so I end up uh, speaking all around the world, um, China, Russia, Singapore, Australia, Germany, Spain, Egypt. I've even spoken in Egypt a couple times, uh, probably not going back there anytime soon uh, <laughs> because of the, the turmoil there. But um, uh, this this month, in a couple of weeks, I will be speaking in my 46th state uh, in the United States. It leaves me now. I'll be in Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, later on this month, the last weekend of this month. Uh, now it leaves me with just the northeastern states. Uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Rhode Island are the only states now that I, I haven't spoken uh, in. But you know, companies like Microsoft, General Electric, Cisco Systems, Harvard Business School, uh, but then uh, a lot of associations. Um, you know, you mentioned dentists, uh, some dental associations, chiropractors, uh, accountants, um, you name it, food distributors. Um, uh, done a lot of speaking. And, and then I do a lot of corporate uh, uh, 
coaching, uh, executive coaching, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, people who are building their own businesses. Um, my coaching is, is kind of like a confidant sort of style. It's, it's a lot of successful people who've already succeeded um, and, and they're looking for somebody who, who can understand them and get them and, and a person they can run uh, ideas by um, and uh, somebody who's not going to judge them. Um, uh, you know, so do a little bit of, of that. I have about 10 clients, coaching clients that I work with and um, uh, just enjoy life helping people, whether it's through books or speeches or coaching or, or whatever. Um, it's, it's been a great life. I'm still young. I'm going to turn 52 in a couple of weeks and, and uh, still got a long way ahead of me. Yeah, absolutely. Quite an amazing career you've had already. And this is the list of people you worked with alone is what an honor to be working with these kinds of type of people. Hey, another good point doing these in-person seminars. I mean, these podcasts are great, YouTube and all that stuff, but it's just so, still so much more powerful doing things in person, I think. So it's great you're doing that. It's still good to go to live seminars and interact with people and have one-on-one interaction. I think it's still, still a little more powerful than all these other medium. It's great to meet with people in person still, I think, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so- so I think that about wraps it up, Chris. Tell us a little bit how people get in touch with you. Tell us where to find your podcast, the real name of it, and uh, every other way for our guests to get in touch with you, Chris. Sure, yeah. They can uh, they can get a hold of me um, if they'd like coaching. I do uh, one-year programs for coaching. I also do a, a two-day intensive one-on-one. You can reach me via email, widenergroup at gmail.com. That's W-I-D-E-N-E-R group at gmail.com you can find me on uh, instagram at chris widener speaker it's the same uh, on facebook at chris widener speaker um and then uh, the podcast that larry and i do you can find uh, of course on itunes and stitcher and any of the podcast apps but you can also listen to us straight up at www.realmanpodcast.com realmanpodcast.com and uh, we'd love for you to jump over there and uh and take a listen. It's it's funny. It's informative, uh, uh, and and it's uh, it's. I think it's really making a difference in the lives of some of, of some men. Yeah, absolutely. And this podcast just keep growing and growing. It's it's a really cool medium now. That things the way things are going there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much for uh, being on stop with us, being on time, and being on our show. Hopefully, you're enjoying the beautiful weather in Scottsdale, and I hope your shoulder gets better quickly, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a, a great privilege. Anytime I get asked to, to come on and uh, and share some thoughts and uh, hopefully something I said today will, will trigger something for somebody that can help improve their lives. Nice. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day, bud. Yep. Thanks. Stay here. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Dr. J's Path to Success podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. For information, please visit drjamesfetish.com. Dr. James R. Fetish, Clinic Director at Village Family Clinic. His book, Secrets of a Million Dollar Clinic, is available on Amazon and online at HackettstownFamilyClinic.com or DrJamesFetish.com, www.drjamesfetich.com. Music